Welcome to Building Your Unique Training Brand, a podcast series for training industry leaders, marketers, and sales teams looking for better ways to engage corporate L&D buyers. You'll learn how to build stronger long-term partner relationships, add more value with your marketing and sales approach, and solve the right problems for the right clients. I'm Marcus Schaller, and I'm excited to welcome Brett Kramer, VP of Sales and Customer Success at Qstream. We talk about the importance of not trying to be everything to everybody, why they're focusing their marketing message and content on the science behind their methodology, and why you should share the how you've helped clients achieve results. Uh, I'm Brett Kramer, uh, Vice President of Sales and Customer Success for Qstream. And Qstream is a company that uh, is based in science and does micro learning uh, for uh, reinforcement and increased proficiency over time where the learning matters. That's really what we're all about. Great. And speaking of the micro learning, that's one of the main reasons that I wanted to, to chat with you because what I've been looking out for in, in interviewing guests for this podcast series is really uh, training companies and coaching companies as well that have done a really good job of, of narrowing their niche, right? And, and standing for something specific. So what I wanted to just start out with, just give us a little bit of context is uh, what, what are your typical buyers and clients? Do you work primarily with corporate, the L&D department, HR, the, the uh, functional leadership teams? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Our history is very much in the sales enablement space, mm. in particular around life sciences and healthcare. And I think that comes from the reality that we are very scientifically backed. And so mm. when we talk about all the scientific studies that were done, you know, a lot of them are healthcare based. They were doctors and nurses, uh, diabetes patients, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that that works well in those markets. Mm. And so that was the history of the organization. Now, over the last, I would say, two and a half years, maybe a little bit longer, the L&D space has gotten to the point where their learning matters more than maybe it did in the past. Mm. There's certain things coming out in learning and development, whether it's, you know, diversity and inclusion or other compliance areas or whatever it may be, they're putting more emphasis on actual proficiency in the learning as opposed to just people attending classes and checking a box. And as that happens, our niche, that, that spaced learning, um, testing-led spaced learning approach works much better. Got it. Got it. And so would it be like um, the, the HR side that you deal with mostly? I, I would say now it is more than just the full learning and development space. A lot of times mm. that is housed within HR. Uh, mm. Larger organizations, I think they're pulling it out of HR these days and it's a separate organization. Um, but in those spaces or if they have a compliance person, mm. so if they have somebody worried about compliance and you know, in the old days, there used to be compliance in only a few areas. And now more and more areas of the business are requiring some level of compliance, whether it's formal or just corporate based. There is a, a real compliance push in many areas these days. Yeah, I was curious what you just mentioned. Also, some of these decision making um, roles are, are being pulled out of HR. And you just mentioned the compliances. Are there any ex other examples that you can share? That's probably the biggest one. I think the, the learning and development uh, folks, I've seen that pulled out yeah. of HR. I think back in the day, that was very common to have HR and a piece of HR was learning, talent, development, those types of things. These mm. days, that's being elevated. And you know, part of that is the importance of learning that I mentioned. But I think part of it is the shift in talent. Talent is moving much quicker these days in and out. 
and getting people up to speed quicker, keeping people proficient, doing that intra-company talent development so that you don't get stuck in a particular role, but you have the ability to grow um, across the organization, I think, has become more and more important. Interesting. And can you share a little bit more about, take us through a little bit of a journey of what micro-learning is and, and maybe how that specific focus, uh, what kind of specific problems that helps solve for the learning development folks and, and HR folks that you're, that you're speaking to? Yeah, you know, it, it goes back to, um, I guess it's the late 1800s, um, and Ebbinghaus did the, all the work on the forgetting curves, which most folks in the learning and development space have heard of. They know that there's a reality that when you go through a course, you forget X percentage of it the first month, and then this percentage of the second month. It's a real thing. And people, mm. I think mentally, when you talk to them about it, they know that. But still, the approach to learning tends to be a large LMS that has some great content. They focus on the excitement of the content and getting people engaged in the content. But at the end of the day, people take that content, maybe take a quiz at the end of that, and then kind of walk away, and they see it again next year. Yeah. And it's we know the forgetting curves there, but it's it, people haven't taken an approach that, uh, that prevents it or moves it the other direction or flattens it at all. And that's what micro-learning um, in this testing-based uh, micro-learning are all about. It's about flattening that forgetting curve mm. and getting the reinforcement in. So we work hand in hand with an LMS. Um, and that's really a focus of ours going forward is that integration space with the various LMS vendors that are out there and the LXP vendors that are out there. Mm. Is we want to work hand in hand with them and give them a way to flatten that curve through proven scientific methods. And we use this, um, you know, a couple of questions, two, three times a week. When those questions come to you, you answer the questions, you get some immediate feedback. That's a little bit of the game mechanics, immediate mm. feedback on where you sit versus your peers. And then you also get a little micro learning module. Maybe that's a video, maybe it's a document, a couple of paragraphs, and it kind of reinforces it. Whether you got it right or wrong, you still get that chance for reinforcement, which is nice. Mm. And then there's a lot of science in the idea of when do those questions come at you again? So just because you got it right doesn't necessarily mean you should never see those again. The science would say you still want to get those. Even if you got it right, you'll get it again. Maybe the, the spacing of it moves out. And as you get them wrong, they're definitely going to go back into that queue and you're going to see those again. So mm. it gives you that reinforcement and that learning over time, flattens the curve and, and gives you much better proficiency results. And it not only the the effect of on your learning, but also in today's and it's I said we say today's crazy workplace environment. Yeah, where like I mean, it's been crazy since I can remember. But it was that uh, just a happy accident of the micro learning, uh, or is it partly intentional to fit this in into the tiny little gaps that people have in their day? I think it's a little bit because it works so well. And yeah. it is, it's a little bit of happenstance that that people have gotten to that TikTok mentality of, you know, give me my stuff in 30 second intervals or a minute mm. intervals. And so it does fit well. Um, but the reality is the the small nuggets was part of the science. It just mm. happens to fit into the culture that has been created over the last, you know, 10, 20 years. Um, so it's it's gone very well in that in that way. That's a, that's a, that's a good sinking of realities there. Absolutely. <laughs> we well, hear so many times people that have got these huge compliance 
programs and they put a tremendous amount of money into these compliance programs and then they put QStream in place, people will tell you how much they love QStream. Mm. And it's it's just a joy because it's it's quick. It's just there. It doesn't cause them to leave their day job and go do something else and then come back. It's right in the mix of things, you know, a couple of minutes, five minutes, you're good. Yeah. You can do that on a daily basis. Absolutely. Yeah, it definitely fits the way I learn. Absolutely. I mean, I, I could sit down with a book for a good couple hours, but I, I you know, just as a, as a, as a quick um, anecdote, my limited experience as a learner in a corporate environment, as an employee, the, the gist that I got of it, and I love learning. I mean, I'm all about like continual education, all that. So I'm not somebody who's resistant to it. The, the, the sense that I got of it, it was, it was these, you know, like maybe it was video and this is before the, the pandemic, of course, but um, it was kind of like, here's some programming, here's what we want to do. And here's why it's exciting. And we would sit through and watch these videos or be involved in this WebEx webinar, right? No. And then we do this kind of quiz, but it wasn't too hard. It was kind of like, hey, let's reinforce it. And then it was like done and it felt to me, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it felt like we've gotten rid of all these problems, yay. <laughs> uh, and it kind of felt to me like, oh, there was a good intention behind it. It wasn't like it was just the least amount of effort by any stretch, but it felt to me a little bit of a checklist, check it off the box. Yes, we gave them this compliance thing. And um, it just wasn't for somebody like myself who absolutely loves engaging with content and learning new things. I, I was underwhelmed by that experience. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think that's one of the most interesting things that I've seen lately is if you're the, the learning and development department, you can look at those metrics and say, we got great metrics. Look at all the people we've got taking these classes, all these quiz results, you know, that's great. But then you go talk to the business mm. and the business is getting more and more demanding of learning. And mm. they're saying, okay, you took a hundred people through this class, but they still don't know the material. And, and that's Absolutely. not okay anymore. Just checking yeah. that box is just not okay. I, I, I still go back to one of the most uh, interesting studies that, that we talk about. It's a study out of Purdue. Um, and the interesting part to me is what they call the, the metacognitive prediction. Mm. That's, they went and did a study and had a group of people uh, basically cram for a test. I'm, I'm mm. using the wrong words, we should look at the real study, but cram okay. <laughs> versus study over time for a, for a test. Sure. And then they had um, these memory techniques that they taught mm. people and said, use these memory techniques for this. And then they used a QStream like approach as the fourth option. And they asked them what they thought was gonna be the most impactful, what they thought was gonna work the best. The QStream approach was always at the bottom. Mm. Mentally, we don't think that's gonna work because it's short, and it happens over time and it's not a deep investment. And so it feels like it's not gonna have the biggest impact, but the study clearly shows by far the, the QStream, the, the testing-based approach, spaced approach had uh, the biggest impact by far. So it's really interesting. It's, it's just a mental switch for some folks. Yeah. The way you're doing it doesn't work. This way it does. It's, it's tough. It seems counterintuitive until you compare it to something else that might be similar like 
first thing that came to mind, we're on a Zoom call, right? And, you know, think about how many Zoom calls people are on a daily basis. And if they're, let's say, hypothetically, it's an hour long, let's say it's about the same length of a training program, what it would be. Sure. And, you know, you're sitting there and you're listening to your boss. Like, you really have a, a vested interest. How much of that information, if you haven't thrown it through Otter or done a transcription and going back, how much of that information did you really memorize if you didn't sit down and take notes, right? And I know for myself, as much as I pride myself on being a decent listener, I, the retention's not going to be huge. So I have to put it through Otter. I have to do a transcription. I have to go back through it. I can imagine it's going to be the same thing with the training. Oh, it absolutely is. And you see it, I think, in your personal life, you see it in your work life. It's just a reality. And, and yeah. as I get older, it gets worse for me, but it was never great. So it's always been a concern. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can, I feel you on the getting older part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's definitely uh, something I have to keep taking my vitamins and exercise more. But um, we really need to fix this problem quick. <laughs> yes. yes, really. Yes. I think the clock, the clock is literally ticking. It's yes. Ticking. Um, well, you know, in tying that over to, to kind of the, the, the premise of, of what the podcast is really about is, you know, building that brand and having your marketing and selling approach be focused on the right problems, the right, the customers. Um, you know, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how that particular problem that you solve influences the marketing selling side of the business? Yeah, so there's a couple of things there. It's interesting because we're not trying to be everything to everyone. Mm. I mean, I think that's a big influence of that is we're fine with working alongside an LMS. There is very valuable need for an LMS in your learning ecosystem. Mm. But there's also a very important need for reinforcement in real measures of proficiency, which is what we can do. Um, and so that becomes a, a very important part of how the science behind what we do kind of impacts that, that messaging. Um, the other piece that I think is, is interesting in that is the game mechanics. Mm. Um, everybody these days is, is talking gamification and how important gamification is, but it's almost like they read the headline and didn't actually read the, the studies that were done. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah. oh, gamification. Okay, well, we're gonna play Angry Bird and we're gonna play whatever it is. And that's that's game, well, okay. Not really. <laughs> calm down. Depends on what you're training for, right? Yes, calm down a little. <laughs> so uh, that also, I think, pushes us in a marketing direction as well because we're very science-backed. It's very important to us and it's, mm it's not just the headline. It's let's really understand why this matters. And so we talk a lot about, I mean, you've said it a couple of times, game mechanics versus gamification. Mm -hmm. It's not for us a fun, flashy thing. It's a real thing that impacts people's learning if you do it correctly. So that really helps to, to mold that, that marketing message. On it. And so just examples of the marketing message I could do, you know, do you use content marketing to educate your potential clients? Like, can you give us a few just examples of how that looks in the real world? Yeah. So um, a lot of uh, focus on right now on over the last couple of years, it's been a lot about um, blog posts and it's been a lot of, um, well, we get an awful lot of awards. And so we're promoting those awards and those types of things. Mm -hmm. We're doing write-ups what we've reinvigorated in the last six months is working more with the scientists that are that are doing this work 
in making them part of our marketing message. So there's a tremendous amount of research being done in this area. It's out mm. there all over the place. And we're really trying to do our best to support that research and also to promote the results of that research. And so I think as you look forward for the next six months, what you're gonna see from QStream is you're gonna see an awful lot of scientifically backed podcasts, uh, video messages, uh, customer case studies with real results analysis and those types of things. Mm. That's really where we're trying to head. Got it. And, and how does that, if it does at all, sync up with any outbound selling that, that you might be doing or is it primarily inbound? Um, it, it's a little bit of both. Um, we, we just recently attended the ATD conference mm. and, and, you know, there was an awful lot of that messaging around getting out to folks in that manner. Um, we will see more and more of our outbound, our, our outreach that we're doing being based on those types of materials mm. uh, as we go forward. There's no doubt about it. And, um, the techniques that we use to do that, I don't think will change that much. We're still going to use the same channels for those reach, out, reach outs. We do an awful lot through LinkedIn. We do an awful lot uh, through various types of social media, the podcasting, the blogs. We're trying to get that information out there. Um, we think we have a good thought leadership position in space learning, in proficiency and, and uh, reinforcement. I really think we do and we need to be better about promoting that and really yeah. there. it's important yeah I mean there's always room for improvement right that's the thing oh, about absolutely. it it's a moving target right and as soon as you think you have it locked in it'll be you know changing <laughs> yeah totally I agree I yeah agree. well that's why we get the micro learning too through the actual marketplace right it's always trying to teach us a little lesson every day so right. it's, um, we talk a lot about uh you know everybody does a b testing with 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 marketing yeah we're really focusing i think maybe it's the science background of the organization we're really looking at that a b c d testing you know yeah. really yes. trying to figure out what those variables are yeah. how do you go at folks in the right way without being you know, these days you can really uh, be a pain to folks and we don't want to do that, but we do want to get the information out there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a delicate balance, but it brings me back again to the, to the idea of a niche, right. And, and yeah. standing for something specific. Um, and as a marketer, you know, try, I, I'm always in problem solving mode whenever I think, even if I see a, a website, right. For a training company or a SaaS company. And I just think about like, where are the challenges there? How would they do it better? How could they do it more easily? And, and one of the things I see, in, in a lot of this space is uh, the kind of like smorgasbord approach, right? The buffet approach to like, we do this and this and this and this and this and this and this, and we're the world leader. And I can imagine that's very difficult to take and then actually put out into the real world and messaging that's gonna resonate with anybody in a real way. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. We, we saw that at ATD, you see these booths that, they, it takes them the entire booth space to list the things they do because <laughs> everything. Yes. Um, it's, it's really amazing. And I, I do like our niche uh, messaging and I think it fits very well with where folks are at these days. I also like though the importance and the emphasis we're putting on integration going mm. forward because mm. we, we know we are a niche, but we are also taking a very upfront supportive managed service approach to integrations. Mm -hmm. We want to take the burden off the customers 
from having to integrate their learning ecosystem together, we want to help them do that. And so we are actually approaching that with great technology that we're OEMing and bringing into our technology. And we're going to be able to have a managed service for integrations where we can be the help to be the glue that ties together their learning ecosystem. I think if you're going to be a niche, I think that's very important. Yeah, and, and it brings up a great example of what you just said about paying attention to all the changes in the market, right? So um, X number of years ago, the technology wasn't quite as important. There was always a technology aspect to it, even when it was CDs 10, you know, 20 years ago when I was burning CDRs and, 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 and creating a training system, right? You know, um, I can't believe that I ever did that. It's hysterical now what you could put on, on online, right? But uh, so paying attention to how the changes in technology um, affect how you deliver learning, how you deliver content, and then merging it right with your specific methodology focus or the problems you solve, that seems like it's a very important trend that's going on across the board. Oh, it absolutely is. And, and everybody, I think, is going, in some ways, they're going similar ways, but in some way, there's a lot of, of innovation happening in the market mm. in that area. And, and I like it. Um, it's, you know, we're exploring, when we look at our next generation product, we're looking at the same thing. Do we want to do more in terms of types of questions that we ask or the format of questions or how those responses can be given? You know, is it, you know, video or is it, you know, open fields and things like that? They seem like small little decisions, but they're important decisions yeah. because, you know, some of it, you have to be careful not to just follow along with the flash and the, the buzz. You've mm -hmm. got to make sure that it makes a difference for your customers and I, I truly think one of the benefits of our products is it's simple. Yeah. It's fairly easy to use. It doesn't impact your life in a, in, a, in a painful way, but it does impact your life from a learning perspective. We need to stay there. So there's always this, oh, what if we did that? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yes. Let's, let's not go too Okay, far. calm yeah. down. Yeah, yes, exactly. I know Angry Birds is great, but let's oh, not exactly. create a training around it. Technology looks really pretty yeah. in the times, and you can yeah. get lost in it, I think. But it, it's important to Absolutely. stay up to speed. It's a, it's a mix, right? You've got to innovate. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of simple, and, and <laughs> it's simple is hard to get to, right? Because it's so easy to get caught up in what about this? What about this group? What about this target market? What about whatever? Because there is a fear of missing out. There is a fear of being left behind. And it takes a real discipline to be able to, um, you know, whether in your sales side and your marketing side and your, your, your time, look at all these moving parts, both in the marketplace with your own organization and be able to have the discipline to take a step back, create a little space and get some perspective, right? And not just be reactive. Um, and it seems like not only through your own philosoph you know, philosophical, excuse me, philosophical approach to this, but also it seems like this might be kind of baked into the company culture there of, of really being able to be a little bit more mindful about the decisions you're making, no? Yeah, I, I like that word a lot. Um, intentional, mindful, we talk about that a lot. Mm. Um, really not just following along or trying to jump at the next thing, but let's think through why are we doing this? What impact is it going to make on those proficiency scores? Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if, if our customers were not seeing the results in the learning that they're seeing, we wouldn't be successful. Yeah. Uh, because we are in that niche, we, we need to be impactful. And when we are, great. But if we start doing things that 
that don't have that in mind, I think we lose our place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, are there any specific ways that you can suggest for training brands to be able to really add more like real tangible value in their marketing and sales approach? Uh, we talked about content marketing and thought leadership a little bit. Um, any other tips that you can share? It's interesting. Um, I, I tend to like these days um, facts and results. Mm. And I know um, a lot of marketing tries to provide results, but they're often provided at such a high level. Mm. I think really taking the extra time to say, here's the results we achieved, but providing that next level of detail. Mm. I think that's important. I think people these days aren't so much drawn to just the flashy headline. I think they really do want to see Okay, but how did that happen? And why did that happen? The ones that have the real problems do. You know, some Absolutely. of them are just flying by a great headline, but the ones that have the real problems, they want to understand, okay, you've achieved these results, but how? Where did that happen? How is that like me? And so it's a level of depth in the material to me. I, I think it's it's shifting back to needing a little bit more depth, a little bit less one-liners and the great slogans. Yeah, if they're not interested in the slogan and the one-liner, if it's a good fit, then they're not the right oh, client anyway, right? Yeah, so absolutely they right. Are, yeah, yeah, you know, when people talk about like, keep it, you know, uh, yes, it's good to keep your copy short and concise, you know, not to just have it go off the rails. But there's a point where if you're not expressing anything, then it's just kind of a waste of ink. Anyway, quote unquote, ink, right? Exactly. Well, and yeah. maybe that's because of the uh, number of organizations in this space now, because everybody has similar headlines. Everybody has that's, you know, oh, you know, the, mm. the achievements we've done, the learning what we've done is great. And all these headlines are the, feel the same. So I think they are looking for that next level because they've tried a lot of things by now. Mm. You know, the learning and development space, it's changed, but how much has it changed? You know, yeah. and so I think folks are looking and saying, okay, what can I do that's different and why are these folks going to really impact me? And, and thinking about the competitive space now too, you know, the, the theme I've seen in these conversations and also of just paying attention to the industry is um, this real growth curve of the number of organizations uh, maybe be sparked by technology. Maybe the technology makes it available or it's easier to deliver training, right? Yeah. What, what's your take on the kind of the macro level of this uh, with the with the industry at large yeah i think it's interesting I, there's many industries right now that i think are experiencing the same thing the barriers to entry are are less mm. but what that means i think right now for many industries and i think this one in, in, in included is you're getting that headline that i was talking about you're mm. getting people are, are solving for the headline but they're not necessarily solving for what actually made that headline happen yeah and so yeah. a lot of solutions out there that on the surface feel the same but when you really dig into it and you really start looking at it they handle things differently and there's a reason why we think we're successful and we want to stay on the same path we're on so uh, but you're absolutely right that lessening those barriers to entry has made it really interesting and mm -hmm. unfortunately i think the learning and development leaders have to be smarter yeah. about what they need and what they want, because there is an awful lot of options out there. And so I think they've really got to take the time to say, okay, how did they get to these results? 
Yeah. And it's also so easy, I imagine, to make assumptions about the nature of the problems themselves. And I'll just, you know, as an example, and I, I might be completely off about this, but when I think about an HR team or learning and development leader who's making these decisions, there's the problem as they see it, their own role and the things that they need to fulfill, right? And then there's the problem the training solves, right? So Absolutely. better sales ability or whatever it is, right? Yep. And, and it's so easy just to get straight to the, this is why it's going to be awesome for the sales team, but completely miss the mark on the person who's actually making the purchase. Yes. Yes. I, I absolutely agree with this. It's really interesting. Um, one of our uh, customers that just spoke for us at, at ATD or spoke for themselves, I shouldn't say mm -hmm. this for us, spoke for themselves at ATD. Um, they were very focused on the content as the problem. And what they realized was content wasn't the problem, it was engagement in mm. that content. And they recognized that. And as they started getting people to engage in their compliance differently, doing these short, you know, twice a week and really seeing that happen, their results went like crazy, mm. outstanding results, but we had to meet them where they needed to be. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yep. One of the one of the fun exercises of, of catering to multiple stakeholders oh, in marketing, nice. right? Yes. Lots of different buyer personas, and and each one of them has has their own unique take on life. So yeah. we're really yeah. seeing that split between L and D and the business right now. Mm. Really interesting. Um, it's I wouldn't say it's combative, but there have been conversations where you're talking to the the line of business and what they need from a L&D group, and then you go talk to the L&D group, and it's interesting because L&D feels like they're providing it because the content mm. is there. We have all this content in this area. This is what the business is telling us they need, but the business is saying, well, yes, but we still have a proficiency gap. Mm. Well, obviously, something's not working. Well, we've got all these people attending these classes. Well, they still don't know it. Mm. It's, it's really back and forth. So you really have to be careful with the messaging, depending on which side of that aisle you're talking to. Absolutely. Um, and, and our hope is to bring them together, which I think would be the great thing, but that is going to take time. I was going to say that is therein lies an opportunity to actually add more value, even by bringing these groups together, even, even just in spirit, right. Even just yeah. in the way that you integrate it together. And, and, uh, and yeah, we're, we're talking about, especially with enterprise, very, very complicated inner dynamics and cultures and poli politics and all that other really fun stuff yeah. that, that yeah. we don't think about when we come up with our brilliant headlines and our awesome blog posts and, and all those things. That's why, again, the taking the step back and be able to take a moment, really think it through and not just jump into the fray with an ebook that takes, you know, two months to write and not realizing that nobody really cares, right? Absolutely right. Yeah. 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 And especially on the sales side too, right? Because oh, yeah. that's kind of your, your main purview, right? And, and as, as a marketer and, and somebody who's responsible for my own selling, right? And, and uh, I've never sold in an enterprise level. I'm not, you know, in that sense of being a BDR or anything like that. But, you know, one thing that comes up a lot as a marketer in the SaaS space, particularly, is just this disconnect between sales and marketing. Yeah. And uh, do you have any thoughts on, on, on a sale as a sales leader, how internally you help kind of bridge that gap that might exist between the sales and the marketing team so they're all kind of one cohesive unit? Yeah, I think the key there is communication. Mm. It, it's, it, it's helping 
the marketing group know what conversations you're having on the sales side. Mm -hmm. So, you know, marketing is generating this set of leads, this set of contacts. Sales is having the conversations. It's crucial that sales is feeding back how these are going. What, mm -hmm. what are the characteristics of the ones that are going forward versus the ones that aren't? Are we hitting too high? Are we hitting too low? Is the messaging not hitting, you know, this group the same way it's hitting this group? Mm. Uh, Geography-based, really interesting. You know, so crucial to understand when you're marketing to somebody in Europe versus somebody in the states. It's huge a message, and you've got to yeah. you've got to communicate that back and forth. And I, I think on the other side, marketing, it's important that marketing is very open and honest about what's going on with marketing these days mm. because it has changed dramatically yeah. and just giving input into sales because sales is always going to be asking for more, better, you know, get us better qualification, those types of things. But marketing has to be realistic with what they can provide and sales has got to adjust. Um, we do an awful lot of um, qualification at the sales level, a little bit deeper than I've seen in some organization in some industries um, rather than doing that qualification before they're handed to sales. Mm. Um, I think that the, the line for us shifts back a little bit. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think if you're not doing it intentionally and having the conversations, then it's a bad thing. Yeah, especially if, if you have, you know, kind of a BDR, SDR slash AE uh, model where, sure. where it's the SDRs are the ones that are responsible for following up with marketing qualified leads that are coming from the marketing team that the sales team has problems, issues with the quality of it, right? This yeah. person isn't in a buying cycle. They're not showing buying intent. Yep. Um, if I understand what you're saying, your team is, is more, a little bit more flexible about being able to take leads earlier on in that process and be able to develop them a little bit more. Am I hearing that right? You're absolutely hearing that right. And I mm -hmm. think if I haven't done enough studying to understand why that's the case. My personal opinion on why that's the case is because there are plenty of issues in learning and development. Mm. And if you can give us a conversation with somebody that cares in any way, shape or form about learning, whether it's from the business side that their folks aren't skilled in a particular area or they're losing people at too great a rate, they're bringing them on and they need to reskill them. Or it's on the learning side where suddenly just having folks in seats and watching stuff isn't enough for them either side of that, they have real problems mm. that are much broader and, and, and much easier to uncover, I think, in this space than in some spaces. So give me a conversation. Yeah. Give me a conversation. And, and as a sales team, let the sales guys go at it because they're going to find an impactful problem. And that, that's the other thing. I think it's easy to see, okay, so your sales team doesn't understand your new product. Yeah. How does that impact you? That's easy to get to an impact or yeah. you have to have compliance in these areas, but what happens if your folks fail and, and don't follow something in that compliance? How does that impact you? Those are easy lines to connect. And so sure. let's get the conversation started and we'll start connecting those lines. That's, I'm really glad that you brought that up because coming from kind of this split SaaS slash training world, right? You think about the difference between selling software and selling training, there is certainly an opportunity, depending on the software itself, to get into that very consultative selling. Uh, that might be an outdated term, but you know, whatever it would be called today, right? Uh, and 
you know, to be able to focus on really solving problems. But it's one of the things that I love so much about the training industry is that it's perfect for that, not only from the content marketing side, because of thought leadership, that's like a no brainer, right? Because you, that's your whole business is built on intellectual property and methods and things. Um, But also in the sales side and being able to equip your, your sales team uh, to be able to have those actual in-depth conversations that really is something that creates, you know, value, real value for a potential client. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's no doubt about it. Yep. I yeah. like, it's, it's different than other spaces I've been in where that doesn't exist so easily. And you spend so much time trying to tie those two things together. Mm. And it's, they're much easier to tie. And it's not always obvious, but you can usually. Yeah, it starts with a conversation, right? Absolutely. Always. Yeah. Yeah. As the best things in life. Well, to wrap us up, speaking of great conversations, thank you so much for taking so much time and 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 creating such a great conversation for me. I had a really good time and, and I learned a lot. So that's always uh, the, the hope and goal that I, if I learn something, hopefully people learning, listening and learning something too. Uh, uh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to give you a chance, just any parting words of advice on on how people listening can, can build a, a unique training brand for themselves? Oh, you know, um, I, I, we are so, we talked about being niche-based. I don't be afraid to, to know what you're good at. Mm. You know, I, I, I that's, if, and maybe that's because of our conversation, but I, I think even before walking into this, I think I would have given that same answer. Don't be afraid. If you're good at something, be good at it. Be really good at it and, and be intentional about being good at it. And, and let the folks that are going to try to do everything for everyone you know, that's their space. Let, let that go. Thanks to Brett Kramer for being on the show. And thanks to you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll consider leaving a rating and sharing it with a friend.